I just really just been for a while that I felt that God wants to, He just wants to speak to us about becoming people that live by the Spirit. And I want, to, I want you guys to turn with me in Romans chapter 8. And we're going to start reading from verse 5. For the guys, the scriptures are up there. And it says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful men is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, and you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you've received the Spirit of Sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies that with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. Robert Mounts, I have no idea who he is, but he says the following. He says, how to live in and by the Spirit, it is the most important lesson that a believer can ever learn. To live by the Spirit. Who's quite skilled here? Who's got like a hectic degree? Engineering degree. Who's got like a hectic engineering degree? Right? Philip is a civil engineer. He is a qualified guy. He has a degree. All right? Enver, Enver is a pharmacist and an accountant. So he's an accounting pharmacist. Well done. So he's also quite clever, all right? I'm not that clever, but anyway, I try and be. So the thing is, these guys have got incredible degrees. They can teach me lots of things that I didn't know, all right? Because it's all head knowledge, right? They know that a bridge, like Philip knows, a bridge has to look like this, or a road has to look like that. It's got to function in that way, and knowledge is great, right? But the thing is, the Bible says to us that it's wonderful to have the, the word and the knowledge, but it says we need to be people that live by the Spirit. And what does it mean to live by the Spirit? And these three faulty ways that we can live 
and try and live the Christian life. Who knows that living a Christian life is difficult? Anybody? Being a Christian is not easy. Because on a Sunday night, you're sitting in church and you feel all Christian-y. On a Monday morning, you're driving to work and Colin drives out in front of you and he cuts you off. And then you don't feel so Christian-y. Right? Then you want to kill him. But you see, we as Christians, we try and live the Christian life by number one, by rules. We put rules in place. We say, no, 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 we mustn't do this. Like Evie and Tureen for the past couple of, I think a month or so, you guys have been doing the Daniel fast. All right? So for them, they haven't eaten meat. Well, they've tried not to. And uh, so it's been a tough one. But they don't take their belief in doing a Daniel fast for a month and trusting God in that. They can't force it on you and say, no, you guys all have to eat veggies now. Because it's wrong. But the thing is, is we try to live out things by do's and don'ts. Don't do this. Most parents have got this, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And your kids eventually get horrified because all they ever hear you saying is, don't do that. Right? You guys agree? Does your parents always say no? Come on, be honest. Come on, Caitlin. Does your parents say no often? A lot more than what they say yes. There we go. That's honesty. There we go. <laughs> but you see, what happens is a lot of times we as Christians, can I have your Bible, please? I've left mine in my bag. We take the Old Testament and we try and put it into the New Testament and we just make it look pretty and we try and live according to it. So by living by rules and regulations and trying to do do's and don'ts, there is no life in what we're doing. Because you see, if we live according to a set of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts, we become legalistic. When we see someone doing something that we won't do, well, we judge them. It's quick to do. But then out of that, you know, legalism is any attempt to please God on the basis of what we do in our flesh. Who of you guys are flesh and bone? Everyone? So we have flesh in us. And so, Viam, I've got it right, I think, hopefully. Right? He said when he was doing the marriage course, he realized that he's quite a selfish guy. So you know that being selfish is actually a fleshly thing. It's your flesh. Because it makes you happy, right? So, for instance, I know that Anthony loves meat. Meat's meat and a man must eat, right? So if Anthony gets a steak, Anthony's happy, right? Because it feeds Anthony. But if Elenix gives him little chicken wings for supper... Will he be happy with that? No. He'll eat them, but it won't be exactly what he wants. Because you see, the thing is, even in the Christian life, we as people, we like to feed our flesh because it's easy, because it's comfortable. And then there's a second way of doing it is by doing a formula. Who's ever read self-help books to make you feel better about yourself? 
All right? You read all these three steps to answered prayer. The four keys to Christian victory. Five ways to what you can even walk by the Spirit. And we try and take these formulas and we try and work with it. And you see, using formulas will lead us to a mechanical type of Christianity. Then there's a third one. And it's called experiential understanding of God. Who's ever been to one of those conferences where the Holy Spirit falls and people roll around and guys make like donkeys and all kinds of things? Some people been to that? Yeah, we've been to those. All right? And for some of us, it freaks us out. Because it's like, what is this? We, we, years ago, Kim and I, we, we kind of got married in this church where they used to do fire tunnels. And then what they would do is everyone would stand down the row and then they'd tell you to run through and everyone would hit you. <laughs> it felt like purg- purgatory rather than, than getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they're like filled. Flop! <laughs> you know? <laughs> And you fell, you just fell because you felt like if I didn't fall, then I might not be Christian enough. And the thing is, many people build the actual understanding of who Jesus is by their experience of what they have. It's quite scary, eh? But you see, the problem is that experiences don't last. You see, rules lead to legalism. Formulas lead to mechanical Christianity, and experience alone leads to an emotional roller coaster. Well, one week you here, the next week you there, because you're up and down. Rules and formulas have their place. I'm not saying that rules are wrong. The Bible has given us rules where God said to us things that we need to do and, and things that we need to live by, because you see. I'm running so far ahead of my notes, it's not even funny. There we go. Ha, okay. You see, what happens is, is that when we have all these things, rules and regulations, and using the Word of God, what it does is, it creates boundaries in our lives. Who likes boundaries? Don't don't come tell me you like boundaries. No one likes boundaries. Uh, Kids especially don't like, when you get really mature in your faith, you like boundaries, all right? Kids don't like rules. You don't like it when your parents say to you, go to bed. Be honest. You don't like it, right? You don't like it. Even us as adults, when we start start putting boundaries in place of, of like, Okay, we can't go there. We can't do this. We, we as people like to rebel, right? Because we have rebellious hearts. And so what happens is we, we live according to those three things, most Christians. Where we have a set of rules and regulations. We try and do it according to a formula. And then we try and do this experiential thing. We, one Sunday, we come to the Sunday, and, and we're standing there. We, Lord, I really need you. And we have a, an incredible experience with the Lord. And then next, then, then that, that's cool. But by Tuesday, it's gone. 
So the experience you had by Tuesday is totally gone. You're back to normal, and you're still struggling with the things that you struggled before. And then you can't wait for the next Sunday to get there for your next fix. And so we become spiritual addicts as Christians. Because we go from one thing to the next thing. And one of those big examples is the Toronto blessing. It was a wonderful outpouring of God in the beginning. And guys, God moved quite powerfully. But people didn't know how to steward it properly. So it became more about the experience than actually the one that we needed to fall in love with. And so people start living on this experiential kind of thing. Now there's, there's two things that we can do. Christians, we can, we can sum up Christianity in two ways. Like a car and a train. A car runs on storage, right? So how much fuel you can get into the fuel tank. So if you've got a car with 60 liters of fuel... If you drive a Kia, you can do 1,200 Ks. If you drive a Toyota, you can do about 450 Ks. And a Jeep, you can do like 300 if you're lucky. So we as Christians, we, we work on this principle of a fuel tank. So we come on a Sunday, we're here worshiping, we love Jesus, it's going well, we get a good sermon, I hope. And then when it's all done, you've got enough fuel to carry you through till the next Sunday or Wednesday night come. You get to community, you walk in the door, you're like, oh, what a week. You've just run out of it. And then we fill ourselves back up again, and then we run again as Christians, and then, then the fuel runs out. And most of us live like that. Every week, every day of our lives. But there is a different kind of Christianity that God wants us to have. It's the electric train. In South Africa, at the moment, it doesn't go well, because we don't have lots of electricity. But in a normal circumstance, we call it the third rail principle. If you look at an electric train, it's got two tracks for the wheels, and there's a third track that runs above that train, and it's connected, right? As long as that train is connected and it actually has electricity, it can keep going. It can keep going forever. So for us as Christians, we need to start changing our view from being storage Christians in a vehicle driving a car to becoming electric Christians, where we stay connected to the source that makes us alive. Because Jesus wants to make us alive. And John chapter 14, verse 15 to 17, says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. You see, for us as Christians, Jesus came and he gave us that gift of the Holy Spirit when he went up into heaven. And it's our job as Christians to stay in contact with him. There was a guy, I can't remember his name now, but one of the big, big, big evangelists that walked around many, many years ago couple of hundred years ago. He walked the one day, and as he was walking, he tripped. And his assistant said to him, are you okay? He said, I'm fine, I'm fine. He said, for an instant, the Holy Spirit left me. Because you see, the Bible says, Paul says to us in Scripture, he says, pray without ceasing. It means that being in God's presence 
24-7. Coming into that space of being hungry. Tonight we sang these songs like the more I need you, the more I love you. The more I love you, the more I want you. It's like being in love with one another. When I got married to my wife 15, almost 16 years ago, next week, I looked at Kim and in the beginning she was hot. She was hot. She was really hot. But you know that she's even more hot now than what she was then. I nailed it. But the thing is, the more I spent time with my wife, the more I fell in love with her. It's the same thing that Jesus wants with us. The more we spend time with Him, the more we fall so much in love with Him. Romans 8, that we were reading earlier, highlights three things that happens when you start living by the Spirit. Number one is we get a new mind, and that's in verse 6. Don't try and find that because I didn't give it to you, Ethan. When you live by the Spirit, the Lord gives us a new mind. We start seeing things differently. Whom of you guys have been going through a hard time since the beginning of the year? Who's had a tough time? Difficult time. Things that you're struggling with in your life. You sometimes think, Lord, can I just run away? Can I just go and hide somewhere, put my hand, my head in a bucket, and hopefully it will go away? But you see, that's what the enemy wants you to see. But when we start living according to the Spirit, when we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives, what He does is He comes and we see it differently. And we suddenly like, okay, Lord, it's a tough time, but what are you teaching me? Lord, what am I supposed to learn from it? How can I take what is currently happening and how can I apply it to my life so that I can grow in you? Number two, in verse 14 and 15, it says that we become the children of God. We are no longer slaves, but sons adopted. And the Spirit helps us to believe that we are the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. What does it mean to be a son and a daughter? May I ask, who's, who's been an orphan here? We've got one, two orphans, one orphan, two orphans. Being an orphan feels like you belong to no one. But when we come into God's kingdom, we become sons and daughters. We become the daughters and the sons of God, knowing that He loves you and He loves me. The third thing that happens is we become heirs. Co-heirs with Christ. It means that we share in His glory, but we'll share in His sufferings as well. Because the Bible says that Jesus says, you know, that God said that, that basically He will not tempt you what He didn't go through. But we share the same things as what Jesus went through. And He said, in this world you will have trouble. So trouble is normal. Difficulty is normal, but it's how we respond to that. 
Do we respond to it out of a place of saying, Lord, let me carry on. Let me do what you've called me to do. You guys with me still? The big question is, how do we live by the Spirit? And the biggest thing is, there's only one thing. There's intimacy with Him. And there was a lot of that coming through tonight. Through the songs that we were singing. And intimacy is something, it's an experience of knowing and being known by someone. Who knows each other better than a husband and a wife? Philip and Anna-Law, you guys have been married for? 45. 45 years. They've been married longer than I've been alive. Three years. They got married three years before I was born. My goodness. That's awesome. It does. Lots of panel beating. But no one in this room knows Philip better than Anna-Law does. And no one knows Anna-Law better than Philip does. Because they've been together for 45 years. Almost 50. Going towards 50. But you see, that is exactly how God wants us to be with Him. To become passionate about knowing Him. Being intimate with Him. You know, intimacy can be both superficial or it can be really, really deep. We can have intimacy physically. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And it's done. And that's not real intimacy. That's superficial. You can sit next to a person in this meeting tonight and you cannot be close to that person at all. But you can have a friend overseas, like him and I. We are friends in Germany. They were part of this congregation. We can phone them and we can chat with them for 45 minutes over the phone. And it feels like they've never left. Because we're friends with them. We've been, we spend time with them. And there's a lot of you guys in this congregation that we've been able to spend a lot of time with. And we've been able to get to know you. There's some of you we still want to get to know. You see, there are many ingredients to intimacy. We can have different recipes, different types of relationships. But the most important ingredient, and we sang that word tonight, in any form of intimacy and relationship is trust. How much do you trust the person sitting next to you? How much do you tonight, do you actually trust Jesus? How much do you actually trust that God knows where you are at this moment in time as the place that he's called you to be? How much do you trust him? How much do you trust the person sitting next to you? Evia, how much do you trust your wife? A lot. <laughs> you have to trust her. 
You see, you cannot build any type of intimacy with anyone if you don't trust each other. The degree of which trust is compromised in a relationship is the, the degree to which intimacy evaporates. How much do you trust? Even Jesus, how much do we trust Him that He knows what He's doing? That in the job that you're in is the job that He wants you in. The things that He's working in your life with. How much do you trust Him? Do we trust His processes? Do we trust His leading? Do we trust the leaders that He's put over us? I want to tell you guys, Kim and I, in the beginning when we joined Josh Jane, we were like, who's Andrew? Who's this guy? He planted this church 24 years. Today, Josh Jane is 24 years old. Today. That's incredible. 24 years ago, they started this congregation with four people. And Josh Jane now is six and a half thousand people that God has added to us. And he's adding, we did a, we, we, Andrew actually spoke about it. It was like six people a day or something that's being added to us in Josh Jane. We had no idea who this Andrew guy was. But can I tell you guys today, I've only had dinner with Andrew and MC once in the whole time that we've been in Josh Jane. But you know what? I trust that man. I trust him. Because I know that God's called him. Do we trust the leaders that God has put over you so that you know that when they speak into your life, they don't do it to harm you, they don't do it to be horrible to you, but they do it because they love you. You see, when we have Jesus and we trust him, we quickly deal with our own hearts and our own disappointments because we trust him. Because sometimes we get disappointed at him too. But Lord, why am I in this situation? Why am I here? You did it to me. You haven't come through for me. No. He's always there for you because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Many times we're in the situations we're in because of our own choices. But he still comes and uses them to take us into what he has for us. And sometimes we feel distant. Because there's a disruption in our trust. And it could be because of sin or our own disappointment with God. Psalm 73 verse 28. David says the following. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell all, I will tell of all your deeds. It is good to be near God. It's good. It's good to be in His presence. It's good to spend time with Him. Tonight, I can stand here and I can say to you, in the mornings at 5 o'clock, 5 past 5, get your Bible, read five chapters, pray for half an hour before you go to work. That's a formula. I can't do that. Paul says, pray without ceasing. Speak to Him all the time. 
Because you see, when our relationship with God becomes a thing that we do normally, we don't have to sit and have an official quiet time. It's good to do it. But when you get to a point where you can actually sit, when you're working at your computer, you're like, Lord, I just need you. And you know that he will talk to you. For me, the best place to speak to God is the loo. It is the space, the moment, the time that I am alone. No one bothers me. No one comes close. In that moment. And then my wife always asks me, babe, why are you in the loo that long? It's because I'm seeking the Lord. I really am. Because it's my moment of saying, Lord, what next? Where do we go from here? Come on. All men like that area. James 4 verse 8. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. See, sometimes we as Christians want to come to God when it suits us. And we want to run away from God when we don't want him there. But he says, come close to him. Come close to him. John 8 verse 32. See, we as Christians, we make this mistake sometimes where we think knowledge will actually lead to intimacy with God. And John 8 32, it says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Like I said earlier, knowledge is good. Knowledge is good. In the world, we have a lot of clever people. But who's had an Enoch that's disappeared recently? One of your friends. That just walked with God and they were gone. No, there's not many of us. There isn't anyone. Why? Because people have a lot of knowledge, but they don't know the Lord. Like we should. Genesis 5 verse 24 says this. Enoch walked with God, then he was no more, because God took him away. And Hebrews 11.5 says, By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. I think Enoch is the only guy except Elijah. There's only two men that I know of that was taken up without dying. Enoch walked with God and he was no more because he walked by faith. He walked by faith. He loved God. I want to one day be taken by God and just be like, gone. He's like, no, no, he's like, now you see me, now you don't. Yo, you guys look so serious. John 5 verse 39. It says, Jesus says this to the religious leaders. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have Life. Come to Jesus. The Bible is there to teach us and to point us to Jesus. 
It's not a bunch of rules and regulations. Biblical knowledge is good. It's good for us to know the Bible. It's good to know what it says. But it must always point you to Jesus. It must always point you to the Lord. An example. Elon Musk. Anybody of you guys had tea with him recently? Anybody? I would love to. I can read all the books. I can read his memoirs. I can read his autobiography. I can read everything about him. But I still don't know him. I think I know him. How many times we read the Bible and we read everything about Jesus. But without spending time with him, we'll never know him. Matthew 7.21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. We can flow in all the spiritual gifts. We can prophesy over people. We can drive out demons. We can do all those wonderful things. But unless we know him, what's the point? Because we need to know him. When that becomes the driving force for us about knowing Jesus, church doesn't become a job for you. It doesn't become a, oh, it's another meeting. Oh, no, the gathering. Oh, why do I have to go all the way to Cape Town? You go because you're passionate. Kim and I, we couldn't wait to leave Amonis yesterday afternoon until we got to Somerset West and we sat 40 minutes between, 40 minutes between two traffic lights. That tested my love and my patience for everyone in front of me. But I was passionate to go and to get there. And Kim and I wanted to get seats as close to the front as possible. Not because we want to show off, but it's because we want to be there. We want to enjoy this with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then Linda kept her seat. And Pauline. If it wasn't for them, we would have ended up sitting at the back somewhere. In the gallery. So how do we draw near to the Lord? We draw near to the Lord through our faith in Jesus Christ, believing that He is the Son of God. You know that Jesus opened the way for you to come into God's presence. If it wasn't for Him going and tearing the temple curtain from top to bottom, we would never have entered. Do you guys know that that temple curtain was so strong that they put two horses, one on each side, and they tried to pull it apart and they couldn't. That's how strong that thing was. It was made out of leather and all kinds of stuff. Not one man in this planet would be able to rip that thing apart. But it was ripped from top to bottom because Jesus opened up the way for us to come into God's presence. And Jesus says, no one can come to the Father except by me. Hebrews 4, verse 14 to 16. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith 
we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And Hebrews 7.25. You didn't put it on there. Oops. We'll wait for Ethan. Everybody look at Ethan. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Do you know that Jesus is interceding for you and for me all the time? All the time. You know, when the devil comes, the Bible says, told us a story in Job where it says that the devil roamed the earth. He went to and fro to see who he could get. So imagine Nikita tonight, the devil comes to the Lord and says, hey, Nikita, hey Lord, check for Nikita. You know that Nikita, she picked her nose. She did it three, four, five times today. She's terrible. You know what Jesus says, Lord? I'm there, I'll take it. I'll take it. I've taken it already. And I'm standing up for her because he intercedes for her. Philippians 3 verse 9. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. 2 Peter 1.4 Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. And 2 Corinthians 1.20 For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. You know that God is impressed with our faith. Because in Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek Him. We need to seek Him. And you see, intimacy with God occurs mostly in the places where we need Him and we trust Him the most. Because in those times is when He comes near to you, when you come near to Him. And tonight, there's many, many people sitting in this, in this place. You've walked a journey. You've got a story. We all have a story. 
Jesus wants to come and step in to your story. It's okay, Lyle, don't stress, bro. And 1 Peter 1, verse 8 and 9, it says, through you, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We believe in him even though we haven't seen him. And I want to end up with one last scripture. And I want you guys to close your eyes and I want Tareen to come play for me. And it's Psalm 27. It's a couple of verses. And I want to read it out to you tonight. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. My heart says to you, seek His face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. I am still confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and wait for the Lord be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Babes, sorry, I just want my wife to come and share something quick. And give me a word in our time of worship. Yo, man, I, I saw just a picture of the Lord when we ask for more of Him, I felt like sometimes he, he gives us everything of Himself. But um, in a sense, we can stop Him. Um, how can I say? Stop from receiving everything of Him because we're too afraid of our broken parts. And I feel like the Lord is saying, but I want to come in into those broken parts, the deepest places of your your heart and those dark places and I want to shine my light and I want to put together and mend the things that you are so afraid of and I feel like um, often it is shame in the sense of ourselves and the way we see ourselves or things that we've done we can never be perfect in, in our eyes anyways and we can never actually be perfect because God alone is but I feel like God is saying I've, I've made the way, I've paved the way and I want to come in and flood you with everything that I am and put you together and mend you not to be afraid to. I feel like that is the one thing that holds us away from him is the trust. It's like, Lord, I trust you, but there's all these things that I don't want you to see. But the Lord is saying, it's okay, and I love you, and I, I want to make it new, make you new, actually. Um, 
while we were worshipping, I got this Psalm 117. It says, Praise the Lord, all ye nations. Extol him, all ye peoples. For great is his love towards us. And his faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And tonight I feel that Jesus is saying tonight that he wants you. Andrew was talking about going after the lost sheep last night. But Jesus is saying to you, if your heart is far from me tonight, I want to come after you. I want you. It's like we watch these romantic movies where the girl gets taken and she, she gets taken by the, the bad guy and the hero of the movie goes after her and, and he does everything in his power to get her back. And tonight I believe that, that Jesus is saying that we are his beloved and he wants us back. The enemy has come and he's taken. He's taken advantage of you. He's come and he's distracted you. He's come and he's stolen from you. But tonight he's saying, I want to come and be with you. I want you to be with me. Because he wants to come and move in our hearts. He wants us to be intimate with him. Like a man looks at a woman and be like, I want to be with you because I love you. And so, Father, tonight I pray for each one of us. Lord, I pray that you would come and that you would stir that intimacy in our hearts. Lord, as we desire to be people that would actually live by the Spirit, that would actually move into what you have for us. Lord, we don't just want to know you superficially, but Lord, we want to know you deeply. Lord, we want to know you so well that we can hear your voice amongst all the other voices around us. Lord, Father, we pray that as you've put us in family, Lord, that we will not just be that citizen that maybe sits outside, but that we will come and we will lay our lives down and say, I'm here. I'm here, Lord, because of what you want to do in me, what you want to do through me. Lord, how can I die? How can I give all of who I am? And so tonight, Father, I pray that as we leave this meeting, Lord, that you would come and that you would give us a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as the words of the song says, in the secret, in the quiet place, in the stillness, you are there. In the secret, in the quiet hour, I wait for you because I want to know you more. I want to know you 
I want to hear your voice. I want to know you more. I want to trust you. I want to see your face. I want to know you more. And Lord, we want to know you. Lord, we want to know you and we want to be known by you. Lord, so that the world can know that we are your disciples. Not by what we say, but how we live. And Father, we love you tonight, Lord. Lord, give us a new love for you. Lord, let our love for you never dwindle. Let it never become something that we just put on the shelf and we dust you off when we need you. But that we would be Christians that would build our lives around you because you are the center of everything. And Father, we worship you tonight. Father, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us. Father, that a new wind would come and blow in our sails. And Father, as we come together on Wednesday night for corporate prayer, Lord, as we're going to worship you and we're going to seek you, Lord, we pray that you would come and pour out your spirit like an Acts 2. Lord, that your spirit would move by might and by power. Lord, that we will not be people that would live by the experience that we have every day or every week or every month. But Father, that we would be people that would know you first above all things. And we worship you tonight, Lord. We love you because there is none like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sorry, guys. Um, so we're from Swellendam, and we were here last week. And I just feel the Lord saying to me that um, for a word of encouragement for you guys. <clears throat> Sorry, I just want to get that. That last psalm that you gave? Psalm 27. So last week, the guys that were here spoke about, the guy that brought the message spoke about an expectation and how worldly expectations disappoint us. And I just felt like saying to you that Psalm 27, and really go and read it and let that be the blueprint of your expectation in Christ and your expectation for this congregation. And if you take that as your blueprint, you guys are going to fly, you're going to grow, and you're never going to be disappointed. almost like you don't want to end it but uh, yeah guys have a wonderful week may the Lord be with you may his make his make his face shine upon you and give you peace love you guys have a good week and uh, we'll see you guys in the comms and we'll take it from there we'll see you guys on Wednesday night for prayer eh? and there's coffee Please don't rush off.